Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Today on the Ether, minting silk with stride. Hosted by Shade Protocol. Let's take a listen. Howdy, guys. Thanks for hopping on. John Carter. I know adults is behind the silk Twitter. Hey, guys. Hey, you. Uh, hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, can you hear me well? We can, yes. Very long clear. Okay, great. Good to hear. I'm using a bit of a different setup today than I'm used to. I've got an emulator here running, so I'm using my laptop. Ooh, that's nice. Twitter space from laptop. That's uh, a world, a world's first. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not quite a world, world's first. Uh, somebody let me on to this little trick, and I'm just following their lead. But uh, yeah, it seems to be working out pretty well. You guys can hear me normally, just as though I had a phone. Totally. Yep, no, completely. And if you want to casually slide that documentation over for us, we will definitely. I'd like to see that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I, I guess uh, it's called uh, BlueStacks. It's just an Android emulator. Uh, I uh, downloaded it last night, so seems to be working pretty well. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, we'll give it a couple more minutes and let people let people roll in. But again, thanks for joining us, John. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I must say, I do feel kind of distracted, and there's a lot on my mind. There's a lot of stuff going on with Stride right now. It's very exciting, all the integrations that are finally starting to appear. Yeah, congrats. A bunch of super exciting stuff. I was uh, I was listening to the space that you guys did with some Luna folks. Uh, ST Luna is super exciting. That's a, that's a big one coming down the pipeline for you. We'll get into that later, though, a little bit more, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we're super, super excited about um, Shade, Shade Swap and Shade Lend and Silk. That's one of the biggest things for sure. But also, um, today it was just announced that um, SD Atom and SD Osmo will be collateral options on the UMI money market just next week. And um, some other thing, uh, big things as well, Mars, for instance. So lots of stuff going on. Um, the DeFi, well, the the DeFi scene in Cosmos is exploding right now, and it's fantastic. Yep. I was just uh, on a Twitter space. Well, we were actually with the Agoric team. It was Zucky. And I'm, I'm personally calling it 2023 is the, the DeFi renaissance in, in Cosmos, and it starts staking derivatives are actually what's going to kick off the DeFi renaissance. That was my theory in 2022, and I think we're beginning to see it play out in, in real time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the liquid staking revolution um, really being led forward by Stride is enabling all this amazing DeFi activity that we're starting to see. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get in, into that a lot more. And the exciting thing is, I think Shade Protocol, I really think this, I think Shade Protocol is you know, most aware of all the DeFi protocols in the cosmos of the power of liquid staking. And I would say you guys are really embracing it the most. and well, I think that's going to give you a bit of, a, of, a, of an advantage maybe over the next coming, uh, over the coming months. So, yeah, we'll see. A hundred percent. Yeah, we're, we're super excited about them. And obviously their, their precedent that they set on, on Ethereum has been a really good metric for, for us kind of measuring what they'll hopefully be like on, on Cosmos, even to a greater extent, just with the interoperability that you see and the optionality that you can have between all, all of these different derivatives. But on that note, I think we're filling up here pretty good. I think we can kick this space off. John, I would love it if you could, for our audience, give a little intro of yourself and then an overview of Stride before we really get into some of the details on on how you're partnering with ShadeSwap here. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I would hope at this point Stride needs no inter 
introduction, but I'll give it anyway. Uh, my name is John Galtz. I do um, business development and strategy with Stride. Um, Stride is a liquid staking, um, a, a liquid staking provider in the Cosmos. We uh, we've got our own blockchain, a layer one blockchain. Uh, the unique thing about our blockchain is it's got no apps, doesn't even have Cosm Wasm. All we do is liquid staking. Uh, we've got a minimalist philosophy, very similar to the Cosmos Hub, because all the Cosmos Hub does is security. So all we do is liquid staking, no other apps. That's it. Our blockchain went live in September. Currently, we support Atom, Osmo, Juno, and Stars for liquid staking. And um, yeah, as we were saying a moment ago, it's really exciting. We're going to be supporting Luna on Monday. So that'll be a big new one. And uh, yeah, that's Stride. Awesome. Appreciate the intro there. I think I'm going to hand it over here to to Carter to to intro a little bit on the vision that we see moving forward with Stride and in the depth that we're going to be interoperating with with Shade Swap and with Silk. But Carter, if you want to give kind of the intro on the Shade side of things of how we're partnering with Stride here and kick this whole thing off on our end, hundred percent, I'd love to. So simply put, we believe that by the end of 2023 that derivatives are going to take up the majority of, of trading volume in, in the larger cosmos. And there's really, there's really two reasons for this. So the first reason comes from the user perspective. Uh, right now, you know, I could go on something like Osmosis or Crescent, and I could you know, make some trades and, and hold regular Atom or regular Osmo. Uh, but, but the problem is every single second that you're holding that L1 token, and it's not staked, you're technically being diluted, right? You're technically missing out on a subset of yield because you're not participating in increasing the underlying security of these underlying L1s by staking, right? And as, as a user and as a trader, I think derivatives end up being this beautiful solution where you can hold representations of these underlying L1 economies without ever having to give up on that, that staking yield, right? So that's reason one. People will choose staking derivatives as users because they want to speculate and, and hold certain L1 tokens, but they don't want to miss out on the staking yield. They don't want to be locked into a staking position. They want to be able to use a, a liquid, fungible representation of these underlying layer ones. So that's reason one. Reason two is the liquidity providers. Uh, right now, like a good example is the, the Atom Osmo pool on osmosis. Uh, if, you're, if you're a liquidity provider, you always have to make this, this decision where do I you know, lock up my token and earn safe staking yield, or do I become a liquidity provider and miss out on that staking yield? So like on an Atom Osmo pool, you're giving up Adam's staking yield, and you're giving up Osmo's staking yield. Uh, with ShadeSwap, because staking derivatives are the centerpiece, specifically Stride's staking derivatives are the centerpiece of the DEX, liquidity providers um, won't have to give up that staking yield. There's going to be an ST Adam to an ST Osmo liquidity pool. And from a liquidity provider standpoint, you're earning yield on both sides of the trading pair and you're earning trading fees. And so this is just a much more capital efficient experience for the liquidity provider. The protocol doesn't have to you know, pay the opportunity costs uh, to liquidity providers for not staking. Um, that, that's, it's called the hurdle rate. I think John's done a great job of kind of describing it that all of these non-derivative pairs, the DEXs have to emit their gov tokening and create APR to, to offset the opportunity cost of staking. And if you use staking derivatives, you don't, the, you know, the protocol, the underlying DEXs don't have to pay uh, those emissions to attract the, the liquidity. So that's kind of the big, the big dream of, of ShadeSwap is derivatives at the center. It's better for users. It's better for liquidity providers. And we've even invented a specific asymmetric concentrated liquidity curve to allow people to seamlessly still get back to the underlying L1 token, right? Like as a derivative holder, I still want the opportunity to go back to the Atom or regular Osmo or regular Juno or regular Luna. You still need that efficient 
and deep liquidity uh, to kind of transition in and out of derivatives. And uh, yeah, I could I could talk about that curve at length, but that's kind of the the dream. Yeah, uh, that's amazing to hear um, to hear you speaking like that. And I think um, you know what you're saying shows a lot of vision, a lot of foresight, a lot of understanding about what's actually going on in DeFi here in the cosmos. Um, yeah, I would say you made a very bold prediction that in 2023, um, liquid staked assets will overtake regular assets for trading. Um, but that'll probably happen. And if not in 2023, maybe next year. Um, the thing is, the thing is, it's just so much more powerful, like you were saying. Um, any DEX in the cosmos is currently emitting a crazy amount of incentives to uh, help liquidity providers get over the hurdle rate. On Osmosis, for instance, you've got, like you were saying, you've got the Osmo Atom pool. Uh, the yield on that pool is about 20 to 25%, and that yield can never go lower um, because those liquidity providers have to clear the hurdle rate. Because if the yield on that pool were only 10%, then the liquidity would fall until the yield rose back to 20 or 25%. Um, just because staking these assets to get staking rewards, that's risk-free yield. And for Osmo, that's about 23% a year. For Adam, that's about 20% a year. So any DEX in the Cosmos that is using just Adam or just Osmo is subsidizing um, the liquidity providers so they can get over the hurdle rate. They're never gonna get over that hurdle rate with swap fees alone. Uh, it's just not going to happen. I mean, the idea with a DEX is you subsidize for a little bit with uh, liquidity incentives, and then eventually there'll be enough trading volume that the swap fees will uh, compensate for the, the impermanent loss. But in this case, um, even putting the impermanent loss aside, swap fees are never going to cover um, the missed staking yields. So you really have to do something like Stride's liquid staking derivatives. As, as opposed to uh, Adam Osmo, if you've got ST Atom, ST Osmo, the yields can be so much lower. And it, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. We can keep this as a yeah. conversation rather than monologues. Well, I, I love it because it's, I, I think the hardest education gap when we're talking about the liquidity providers is people traditionally think like, oh, like high APR, that must be, that must be a good thing. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like the market finds an equilibrium where it demands a certain APR in order to justify the volatility, the impermanence loss, and the opportunity cost of being that liquidity provider. So lower APRs are essentially super healthy. That's actually like the better, the better end state to achieve is, is lower APRs because it means the protocol is emitting less value to attract a corresponding amount of, of, of liquidity. So yeah, I guess the other piece I would add to, to ShadeSwap beyond just the, the derivative is because we're built on Seeker Network, uh, the compute transactions are encrypted. So ShadeSwap is completely front-running resistant. People can't do sandwich attacks. They can't figure out you know, how much you're about to trade because of that encryption. And so one of the advantages of ShadeSwap compared to any other AMM out there is we're front-running resistant, which is, which is huge, huge, huge. There isn't that toxic flow from, from people being able to gamify uh, front running, and uh, yeah, we're. I don't know. I'll I'll, pa I'll pause there. Fisco or Dalton, if you guys want to add anything or, or guide the conversation. Yeah, or maybe other people have questions here. Um, I think what we're talking about is very revolutionary, and again, I think it feels very uncomfortable to talk about um, using ST Atom for trading all the time instead of Atom. It's really a new paradigm, but. Just because of the basic economics that we're sketching out in this discussion, uh, it really seems like this is the inevitable way Cosmos DeFi has to go. Either this or something like the stuff Osmosis is working on, superfluid staking, interfluid staking. But that has its own issues as well. If you've ever looked into superfluid staking, there are certain risks involved, which means you can only superfluid stake half of the Osmo in a LP position, so that's a quarter of the whole position if it's an Osmo base pair position. But anyway, like it really might end up, it's probably going to have to be something like Stride's ST tokens or something like Osmosis 
uh, superfluid and interfluid staking, uh, if they can really scale that and make that a bit more appealing. But you know, the thing is, Stride is here right now. Um, um, Shade, Shade Swap doesn't have you know, the ability or like the technology isn't available right now for superfluid or interfluid staking to really take off. But Stride's uh, LSDs are liquid stake derivatives. They are here right now. And it's amazing that ShadeSwap is going to be using them in just uh, about a week. So are there any questions from the audience or, you know, anybody want to chime in, join the conversation? Yeah, ju just interject here. If you're, if you're interested in asking a question, just feel free to raise your hand and request to speak, and we'll bring you up to ask a question to any of the, any of the speakers here. But what we're waiting, I think, Carter and, and John, can we cover... Why did why did ShadeSwap decide to go astride as their LSD for that were that were partnering with mainly? And John, maybe you could comment a bit on your your view of Stride in the in the ecosystem of the rest of the cosmos versus some of the other LSDs that are out there. Yeah, from from my perspective, Stride was the you know part partner of choice to kind of be the centerpiece. Uh, for for two reasons, one is their security model. Um, they have, in my opinion, essentially a rolling audit system. They're not just one audit. They're not just two audits. I know that they're going to continue to uh, increase the security and, and code coverage. And security is huge on the derivative front. It's 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 massive. It's it's the primary risk of staking derivatives is is around the security of uh, the system that mints it out. And then the second piece, to be honest, is, is Stride is moving really, really fast. And we want to have derivatives that users are, are asking for and demanding. So because Stride is moving so rapidly on the business development side and achieving so many integrations, uh, every additional integration gives any of those Stride derivatives more utility. And the more utility they have, the more users are going to want, uh, want Stride staking derivatives. So security and utility is my answer. And speed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would second all of those things. Um, right now, ST Atom is becoming very, very popular, and we are just on the cusp of seeing ST Atom being present. I would say almost on every single blockchain in the cosmos, and that is really great for users because users can grab ST Atom on Osmosis. They can use it on Umi. They can use it on Dmax. They can use it on Terra. They can bring it over here and use it on uh, Secret with Shade Protocol. That just makes it really easy for the for the user to you know have like a single set of staking derivatives that they can use anywhere in the cosmos. And um, yeah, and security is a big thing as well because uh, I think the reason that it may sound a little uncomfortable to be using uh, ST Atom instead of Atom for general trading. Um, is that it does introduce a security dependency. So there are certain risks here. And the risk is something could happen to the Stride blockchain and uh, your ST Atom could all of a sudden be unbacked. Now that is incredibly unlikely because of the great strides that Stride has taken uh, towards security. So uh, like Carter was saying, uh, we've paid for three audits and you know audits aren't cheap, but fortunately, um, we did do a raise um, last summer. We raised a certain amount of money. Our contributors have a very long runway and we're able to devote a lot of resources, both you know, financial resources, but also we're, we have a very big growing team of devs. So we've had three audits so far. We have continual auditing from informal systems, which is probably the best auditor in the, uh, in the Cosmos. They know the Cosmos stack better than other auditors. Um, we're going to be having a, a bug bounty from Immunify. Uh, we've got rate limiting. So Osmosis uh, introduced rate limiting recently. We have rate limiting as well for our blockchain. And um, yeah, and those are a number of things we're doing. We're completely open source. Um, so there is a risk of using liquid stake derivatives. That's true. There's risk all over the place in DeFi. But the thing to do is to be intelligent and figure out at which points the risk outweighs the reward. And the reward here by using um, liquid stake derivatives instead of just plain tokens, the reward is a protocol is sustainable because <laughs> otherwise uh, you're going to be spitting out incentives forever to incentivize liquidity. You're never going to get to a point where fees alone are willing to uh, 
um, compensate liquidity providers for the yield they're giving up. Um, yeah, you need liquid stake derivatives for that. So that is the reward and that's a significant reward. And for the user, like Carter was saying, like we're talking about the liquidity providers and the protocols, but for the users, if you're gonna be trading Osmo, maybe you wanna buy Osmo um, for two weeks and then sell it. Maybe you wanna buy Atom for a month and then sell it. Maybe you wanna deploy it in DeFi. If you're gonna be using these things instead of just staking them and not actively participating, uh, it's really in your favor that they be LSDs because again, like these are very high inflationary yields we're talking about on the Cosmos Hub, 20% a year, that's more than 1% a month. Um, and maybe that sounds small <laughs> in terms of the volatility of the crypto markets, but it, you know that, that is a significant opportunity cost or a hurdle rate. Um, yeah, so there are some minor risks with liquid staking derivatives, Stride is probably, in front of all other liquid staking providers in the cosmos uh, in terms of security and mitigating the risks and the rewards really are significant and so i, I really see that this is the way that the cosmos that cosmos DeFi is heading i think another interesting you know contribution 100 yeah, and it, it just makes sense it's most efficient for for really every party involved here i think speaking of efficiency carter i was hoping that we could get since there's some people in here that aren't that aren't from the shade community and maybe some stride some stride folks in here, could you give us a quick overview on the specific efficiency that our Dex brings to liquid staked assets? Sure. So essentially, um, in order for a derivative to be kind of valuable, it has to have liquidity between the underlying layer one token. Uh, to the derivative, you have to have a pair somewhere with really good liquidity on that. Because if that liquidity doesn't exist, then you kind of have to, you know, wait for the. If you want to get back to the original underlying L1 token without trading on a DEX, you have to incur that unstaking. You have to incur the unstaking period, right? And at that point, that liquidity is not there. Then why use the liquid staking derivative in the first place? The whole point is there's liquidity. You have this fungible token, and you can seamlessly trade it in and out and move it around. So liquidity, super, super important. And to date with liquid, liquid staking derivatives, there's been two curves that DEX has used. The first one is the constant product curve that you know, is very popular in DeFi, where liquidity is equally distributed along the entirety of the curve, right? And then the other option is concentrated liquidity, where you take some of that liquidity from the outer outer edge of the curve and you concentrate it into a specific region where the majority of trading activity is. Uh, it creates better uh, trading experience because you can make larger trades with less slippage and the liquidity providers are happy because there's a higher utilization ratio on their liquidity, which means they're incurring more trading fees. However, here's the catch with those two, two curves. Um, staking derivatives tend to trade in a very specific range, okay? And it's, it's typically, um, there's a ratio, like when you lock up your L1 token to mint out a staking derivative, um, typically speaking, the derivative never goes above this minting price point. And the reason that is, is if someone buys a bunch of the derivative and it goes above that minting price point, an arbitrage player would you know instantly mint out the derivative, sell it on the open market, and and essentially generate themselves a, a huge profit because of that that buyer pushing the price above the minting price point. So there's this whole side of the curve that goes largely unused because price is never going to stay above minting the minting price point for a long period of time. And so with the constant product rule, you're essentially putting liquidity on parts of the curve that are never ever gonna get touched. It's just wasted liquidity, it's wasted capital that isn't actually improving the trading experience, which is bad for the user and it's bad for the liquidity provider. So that's constant product. But that, that concentrated liquidity that I was talking about before, to date, has only ever been symmetrical. And so you would maybe be able to concentrate liquidity to the right of the minting point and the left of the minting point, but you're still putting liquidity above that minting price point where price never stays for very long. So once again, it's kind of, you have 
wasted liquidity when you're using a symmetrical concentrated liquidity curve. And so this is where we've done something that's never been done in DeFi, and it's called asymmetric concentrated liquidity. And so we're able to have a concentrated region, not directly at the minting price point, but between the minting price point and to the left of that. So we, we don't push a bunch of concentrated liquidity uh, above the minting price point. We can a little bit to ensure if someone buys in mass that there's still good liquidity and that's good trading experience. But instead, we focus it to the left of that minting price point in the region where the majority of arbitrage and trades happen. And so this ends up being significantly more capital efficient than even symmetrical concentrated liquidity. And this makes sense because order flow on derivatives isn't symmetrical. It's actually kind of a one directional order book flow on, on average. The majority of the trading volume goes a certain direction where people are selling the derivative. Uh, and this is tied to risk premiums and long form arbitrage. But the net result that matters is that with this asymmetric concentrated liquidity, with $1 million worth of liquidity on an atom to ST atom pool, a user could trade $100,000 worth of you know, selling ST atom to atom or going from atom to ST atom, and they're only going to incur 0.13% slippage. They could trade 10% of the pool and be inside of this asymmetric, asymmetric concentrated liquidity region and have an incredibly efficient pair. Better, like factors more efficient than constant product and significantly more efficient than even symmetrical concentrated liquidity. So better for the user, better for the liquidity provider. And it's never been done. Wow, <laughs> bravo, that was a very good explanation. Uh, I think maybe you should like clip that and put it on YouTube or something. Um, Carter, of course, uh, we've talked about this before in private. You've even like drawn a diagram for me, but I think that time with that explanation, it really clicked for me. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, because if you look at, because you know, ST Osmo or ST Atom, has been out there for almost six months. If you look at the chart, uh, the peg doesn't really break up. Like you said, if the, peg, if the peg breaks up, you can instantly arbit and you don't have to get stuck with that 21 day unbonding period or you don't have to um, you know, do something with futures or like short, short the token because you have exposure to the token to, to be delta neutral. It, you, you don't have to do any of that to arbit if the peg breaks up. Uh, it is a little more tricky if the peg breaks down, although it's still fairly easy to arb. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense to put it, uh, concentrate the liquidity kind of on the, the side to protect it more if the peg breaks down, which is what you often see. The liquid staking derivatives do tend to trade one or one and a half percentage points below the, the price of the actual token, just because of the uh, slight inefficiencies with um, arbing it. But um, yeah, that was a fantastic explanation. And it makes me personally, like even me, makes me just a, a lot more excited about uh, ShadeSwap. Yeah, we, we, we've done like the, the math. We've, we worked on this paper for like half a year. And, you know, we released the white paper and it's like crickets. And we're kind of like, okay, like that's fine, Cosmos. You'll, you'll see in like a month when people see, wait a second, there's these insanely deep, derivative pools and LPs are going to love them and users are going to love them. And it's, it's, it's a complicated concept to explain, but once it clicks, once you understand that this curve is perfectly designed for a derivative to L1 markets, it totally opens the doors on onboarding people into derivatives as well as offboarding them. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, well, if there's uh, no questions, and anybody is free to ask a question at any time. Um, this isn't some kind of panel. This is a group discussion. Anybody can join. But uh, maybe we can move on to talking about um, Shade Lend and Silk. Yeah, absolutely. So just as a heads up, um, Fisco sent me a, a private message. Unfortunately, he lost connection, but is still able to host, but he cannot hear anybody. Um, so I will kind of be <laughs> leading us from this point on, but John, absolutely. I, I kind of wanted to move us into where we were going with Stride and what it means for us to work with Lens. So obviously we're going to be accepting ST assets in our lending protocol, specifically to mint out, mint out Silk, which is the stable coin on Shade protocol. But 
I would love for John for you to give your opinion as to to why that's so significant to use derivatives for stablecoin minting, and then Carter um, more from the Shade Protocol side as to why it's important for us that we get to use derivatives to mint out something like Silk. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this is going to sound very similar to the first side of the conversation, but uh, it's even more significant when you when you apply uh, liquid stake derivatives to the application of collateralization. Because just to recap, if you're LPing Osmo and Atom and they're not staked, your hurdle rate is the blended staking rate of those two assets. And the blended staking rate is about 20%, right? That's your hurdle rate. But if we're talking about collateralization, since since this is DeFi and not centralized, like not FTX, <laughs> since this is DeFi, we always have over collateralized loans. So for instance, um, say you had a stable coin and you wanted to mint out $1 worth of that stable coin using Atom. And it, were, it was just normal Atom, not liquid staked Atom, just Atom. Uh, if you wanted to mint $1 worth of stable coin, Typically, you'd have to put down $2 worth of collateral. So that's a 50% loan to value ratio, or in other words, a 200% uh, collateralization ratio. And that means since for every $1 worth of stablecoin you have, you've got $2 worth of Atom collateral. In that case, your hurdle rate is not 20% because for every dollar you're lending, you're, you've got $2 worth of Atom sitting there idle, not staked. So that means for every single dollar you're minting at a 50% loan to value ratio backed by Adam, you're losing 40% a year, which is pretty incredible. And, and that's the hurdle rate. So, you know, assuming that we're all rational people, assuming that this is a rational market and we're all self-interested, nobody would mint a stablecoin under those conditions unless they somehow had a way to clear that hurdle rate and to make additional profit. So you would only mint a stablecoin if you saw an opportunity in the market where you could earn more than 40% per year uh, to cover the, the, the hurdle rate. And even if you earned 40% somehow by using the stablecoin, that seems like a pretty good deal, 40% in a year, uh, that would only get you to zero. That would just clear the hurdle rate. You have to make even more than that. And this is a really tall order, um, maybe not over the last few weeks, um, but you know, generally, um, it's a really tall order. And, you know, stablecoins don't exist in a vacuum. It's not like there's one stablecoin that only accepts Atom and you have to take it or leave it. There are all kinds of stablecoins. So Silk, of course, is going to be using um, liquid stake derivatives as their collateral. That means the hurdle rate is zero. And, you know, competitively speaking, <laughs> comparing 40% to zero, um, I think Silk is going to get a lot more adoption than the incumbent stablecoins. Um, and then one other point, like you could say there are some stable coins out there that only accept other stable coins as collateral and there's no hurdle rate. Yeah, that's fine. If you're just backing, uh, say, DAI with USDC, it, but, but that's not decentralized. So what you get with Silk, it's not just a wrapper for other stable coins. With Silk, it's actually decentralized because it accepts decentralized assets as collateral. Not only is it actually decentralized, but the hurdle rate for those assets uh, would be zero. Uh, not, not exactly zero, because there are some interest fees, I believe, with the protocol. And to be fair, Stride charges a 10% fee on the, um, on the staking yield of liquid staked assets. But um, anyway, it's way better than a, than a hurdle rate of 40%. And uh, th that's my long-winded explanation of why uh, liquid stake derivatives really, really, really make sense for collateralizing stable coins. <laughs> I, I was going to say there in the middle, so we, we seem to never get away from supply and demand, no matter how hard you try. So economics is, is seemingly the, the be-all, end-all when it comes to just how you need to use things and what you should expect from the market. Um, but that does make a lot of sense, right? Like, why would you use something that's so inefficient compared to a product that is efficient? Um, and, and it just, it more, it makes more sense for users. Um, especially once they've understood and once they've grasped the, con grasped the concept a little bit more so it doesn't maybe seem as, as scary or maybe, oh, I don't understand how that particularly works yet, so I'm not going to use it. I know, I know how this works. So once they've 
grasp the concept and once this knowledge is available to them, it's it's almost a no-brainer. But Carter, I'm curious from the shade protocol side as to like why we would want to use derivatives as well. We got we got a clear oh go for it, John. Oh, maybe not. Um I was saying we got a we got a clip John's too. That was a really beautiful explanation of why staking derivatives as the the backing for a stable coin. And so I'll I'll give my my go at it. Um essentially if you just like with the liquidity provider on Adam Osmo uh, on osmosis is giving up Adam staking yield and osmos staking yield. In the same sense, if you have to lock up Adam to mint out silk and your asset in, in that's locked up as collateral isn't doing anything for you, then you're just missing out on the opportunity cost um, of staking. All that yield is left on the table that you could be you could be earning. And so as a result, uh, that loan that you took out, you need to generate enough value to offset the yield that you're giving up by just locking up your, your atom and it's not doing anything for you, right? That's opportunity cost. So with the derivative as, as backing, you're not fighting against this opportunity cost. Like you're already tapped into it. You're already plugged into it. And then that loan you take out, now you're free to go and do anything with it. And you don't have to worry about you know, the opportunity cost of, you know, what if my asset was staked right now versus just being a normal fungible non-yield bearing token. So that's piece one. The second piece that really differentiates Shadeland, because let's be honest, these this this type of knowledge that sounds like rocket science right now, maybe to a couple people, is going to be common knowledge in like T minus two months. Like the Cosmos Renaissance is coming. Um, and so how is Shadeland differentiated beyond just uh, the accepting derivatives as collateral? The other differentiation is that on Shade Lend, your liquidation price points are private, right? So everywhere out there right now in transparent DeFi, you lock up collateral and the whole market can, can query individuals lending positions and say, hey, like if, if I can you know, cause Adam's price to dip 10 more cents, I can, guarantee, I can guarantee that John's loan over here gets liquidated and I know what's gonna happen to that liquidated collateral they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna sell it on the open market, and I can take advantage of this kind of cascading liquidation price movement that that I intentionally cause because I'm able to programmatically act on top of this transparent asymmetry of information. But with Shade Lend, because we have privacy baked into the product by default, your positions are private. You could take out a massive leverage position, and whales don't know about it. Retail doesn't know about it. That you are you are safe. Privacy is fair. It's equitable. Board, and you're allowed to go about your DeFi activity without incurring the risk of the whole world knowing what your liquidation price point is. That is a huge advantage compared to any other lending product in the Cosmos and Ethereum, or else. And we're really going to be leaning in uh, to that equitable protection that privacy can give because privacy is usually you know we talk about it as a as a as a human right. We talk about it as a protection. But it's also incredibly useful when you exist when when previously the norm the norm is to exist within this panopticon of, of transparency. Yeah, that, that's a very good way of putting it, the panopticon of transparency. And that was just the issue uh, last year in May or June when um what was it, Celsius was uh Celsius was on the ropes <laughs> with their situation there and they were being hunted by Alameda or whoever it was, I don't know, but somebody was hunting somebody trying to break the peg of STETH and I think they were successful, Celsius went bankrupt. Um, so essentially what you're saying is we're not going to have that situation uh, with Shade. Uh, with shade. Yeah, and I mean, the, it's funny because at the time people were Cheering, cheering on and being like, oh yeah, like let's let's hunt Celsius, let's get them liquidated. But ironically, like the fact that that attack vector exists against institution means that that very same attack vector is available against retail investors, right? So that should terrify everyone. Like totally transparent DeFi means programmatic actors can take advantage, and they they have a positional advantage of you against you permanently because not everyone's a programmatic actor. But in a world of privacy, it's a totally leveled playing field. 
And ultimately, I believe Web3, what it unlocks is open source, equitable markets. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, well, maybe to pivot the conversation slightly, I know I'm not really the host or anything, but I've got a question, just something I'm interested in. Speaking about um, equity and maybe inclusion, uh, can you talk a little bit about the, um, the basket of currencies that's going to be um, uh, creating the, the peg that Silk is um, you know, pegged to? Uh, has there have you guys announced you know what the like the ratios will be in that basket? I'd be curious to hear about how that works. Yes, so essentially there's six key components of Silk's peg. We have uh, JPY, uh, the Canadian dollar, the U.S. dollar, uh, the euro, and then we have gold and Bitcoin. And 25% of the 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 weight is tied to a split between Bitcoin and gold. That's the uh, hedge against inflation within that basket. And then the other uh, four currencies, I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm missing one or two of them right now. Um, but we'll, let's just assume it's that list of currencies I, I, I stated. Um, the other 75% is split among them, partially based off of their, their, their GDP uh, weightage within the, the global economy. And so the net result is because all the smart contracts are tracking that minting price point. Uh, you're going to be the silk's peg will slowly be shifting over time as as all these you know assets and commodities appreciate or de depreciate in relation to each other. And we like to equate it to an ETF of global currencies and commodities. So instead of just betting on the dollar or just betting on the euro or just betting on gold, on gold, you're instead holding an asset that's kind of a representation of all of these major global commodities and currencies and you're hedged against that 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 volatility and it should end up being based off of the testing we've done you know a more stable asset than if you just held the dollar or just held the euro and it's it's kind of a world's first in its own right and silk has has privacy on top of all of that yeah i'd, I'd say that's really amazing i mean obviously i knew a fair bit of about shade and silk and whatnot but even me, I'm learning new things in this discussion. My head is just spinning. Like the idea of a stable coin having a basket and a basket of currencies that it's pegged to, and then Bitcoin is part of that, and gold is part of that. Um, that that really changes things. That and I, I really like that we're getting away from fiat, um, USDC, and e even um, other decentralized stable coins like even Terra, UST. Um, that was a step in the right direction, but it was still tethered to the American yep. dollar. And, and this, uh, this certainly opens up a lot of possibilities. Like when, when you're going to be holding silk, trading with silk, uh, providing liquidity for silk pairs, uh, you're going to have to consider that it's really, of course, it's a stable coin in a certain sense, but not like we're used to. And um, yeah, my, my mind is really on fire right now. I, I love this idea. Well, we always like to say, People, you know, USG got something right, which said something to the effect of like a truly decentralized world needs a truly decentralized currency. And it, it nailed the concept of permissionless participation and censorship resistance. But our team always had this cognitive dissonance of how can you say it's decentralized money if it's pegged to a centralized monetary system? And so Silk, also with governance, is capable of adding or removing assets over time to the basket as well as modifying the weights. So if the US dollar hyperinflates, all of these dollar stable coins that our entire Web3 economy is pegged to are fricked, right? It, it, it's, it's so bad if we saw that type of environment of hyperinflation. But Silk, Silk is reflexive, Silk is adaptive, and we're going to be able to, over time, shift its composition in relation to the changes that we see in the world. And, you know, there's, there's risks to that, but I think it's a, a really beautiful experiment of building a truly global currency that has privacy and censorship resistance and permissionless participation. Yeah, this is really interesting to me. Um, personally, like uh, 
if I may make a personal observation, I'm the kind of person, I know this is my personal account, I'm not really speaking on behalf of Stride at this point, but uh, I'm the kind of person who really likes to put all my money into crypto. Like I really don't like holding fiat. I kind of feel like Michael Saylor. He says it's like an ice cube that's melting. I don't like holding fiat to save it. I'd rather be exposed to crypto, even in spite of the, vol the volatility. But, you know, like uh, my imagination is really fired up right now. Like I might actually be comfortable holding silk because um, maybe it would be a good asset to store value in because it's pegged partially to gold, partially to Bitcoin, partially to these fiat currencies. Um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I think it's, we, there's definitely a story to be told when you compare silk to like Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin solves the scarcity problem. We've never really, it was like the world's first digital scarcity, but it didn't solve for the stability stability problem, right? So I think that's where silk is going to be uniquely positioned. And I'm also looking forward to maybe stay tuned for some 2023 alpha on this front, but I do believe one day there'll be Forex markets and silk will be at the, the center of it as kind of the interoperability hub. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that would be really exciting to see um, whatever it is you're alluding to. Um, so let's see, uh, are there any other questions, any other um, topics of conversation we want to cover? Hmm, I would say I'd be curious to know, like Stride, um, where you see kind of like mesh security and the role of Stride within like some of the risks that these L1s have brought up about hey, like if our L1 derivative becomes purely stride, we take all of the security risk on of, of, of stride. And I'd love to hear your thoughts formally on how you've had that conversation with those app chains and your, your perspective on it. Uh, well, it's complicated. Um, first of all, the issues that Carter is bringing up here are not present day issues at all. Um, these are kind of issues over the next year, two years, three years. Uh, however, it's still good to discuss them. And the thing is, we're talking about a paradigm change here. Uh, this whole conversation is about a paradigm change in Cosmos DeFi, where liquid staked assets become more popular, they have more traction, and they're more ubiquitous than the underlying assets. And in a world like that, the liquid staking rate, which is the rate of all of, all of one token for a particular blockchain, the rate at which it's liquid staked, that's going to be going higher. So for instance, right now, uh, I forget off the top of my head how much of the total supply of Atom is liquid staked with Stride, but it's very small. It, it's something like one-tenth of one percent or even smaller. Um, but if, you know, we're saying that liquid staked assets are just way more useful than having the underlying assets. So if the percentage of the total atom supply, liquid state with stride, goes up to 1%, 2%, 10%, 25%. If the stride blockchain controls 25% of the whole atom supply, then uh, the, the way the stride blockchain is set up is stride token holders, so STRD, people who hold the stride token and stake the stride token, they get to use governance to decide how to delegate um, tokens controlled by the Stride blockchain. So Stride token holders are the ones who decide which validators we delegate Atom to. And if we had 25% of the Atom supply, or let's move it up, let's say 33%, because we know that's a magic number uh, with Tendermint consensus. If Stride had 33% of the outstanding Atom supply and the Stride community wanted to delegate that all to one validator, one node, that would not be good because then that one node would have, you know, 33%, they'd be able to halt the blockchain. So it, that's an issue going forward. And um, what we could do, here's one thing. I think Vitalik actually, um, actually had this idea. The idea would be, you know, on a money market, how the more you, get, you borrow, the higher the interest rate goes. So there's a bit of a curve and you hit a certain inflection point. So on most money markets, maybe the interest rate is 1%, 2%, 3%. But when you get to 80% utilization rate, that curve becomes very, very steep. What you could do is you could do the same thing for liquid staking. 
So a moment ago, I said Stride does have a fee. We charge a 10% fee on the, um, on the staking rewards of liquid staked assets. What you could do is, if the, um, the staking rate for a particular token got to maybe 15%, you would increase the fee a little bit. If it got to 20%, you'd increase the fee. And you would do it in such a way so that it becomes prohibitively expensive to liquid stake with Stride, um, such that the staking rate does not uh, get to 33% or, or doesn't get to 50% or something like that. Um, that's one thing to think about. Um, another thing to think about is that like this attack factor that I sketched out, it assumes that Stride governance would want to be malicious. But if you distribute the Stride token well enough, and if you make Stride not a blockchain just held by its own community, but a blockchain with governance comprised of people from all over the cosmos, then Stride becomes some kind of public good. And everybody has a stake. And so everybody in the cosmos decides through governance how the uh, assets controlled by Stride are delegated. And that's what we, what we would like to see. Um, we're giving away 50% of our token supplies. So you look at our tokenomics. Um, yeah, we have investors. Uh, that helps us to be a professional company. So we did give some to the VCs. The team gets some. There's a strategic reserve. But if if you look at the pie graph, 50% is just going to the community. We're giving it away through airdrops, through liquidity incentives, through staking rewards. And if, we, we just, if, if we're successful in distributing the Stripe token, then there will never be that risk where somehow all the um, STRD stakers will want to screw over another chain by concentrating trading the delegations with one validator. You see what I'm saying here? So yeah, those are some of the risks, some of the solutions. But again, to be clear, these are things that are one, two, three, five years out. And right now, the Stripe protocol controls one-tenth of one percent of the atom supply. So this is not a risk at the moment, but this is definitely something to think about and to be proactive about. Hundred percent. Thanks for running through those security options. I actually really like the the minting cost increase curve. That's like super fascinating late game protections, and it will definitely be interesting to see you know between interchain security and as as Stride's presence grows, uh, the importance of the various Cosmos chains to have like a, a percentage of ownership of, of Stride. It'll be interesting to see with you know it's like protocol owned security. Uh, but it's like outsourced security to stride governance. And so will protocols want to repurchase control of their own security and governance? There's like my mind kind of spins about late game derivatives and all the economic incentives and how they shift. So it'll be very interesting to see how stride handled, handles it, in my opinion, inevitable role as a significantly influential public good that has a significant stake in all parts of the cosmos. Yeah, definitely. And um, if I I may say so myself. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense that Shade is partnering with Stride because um, when you talk about the liquid staking landscape in the cosmos, things were different uh, even just a few months ago. But um, I really don't need to make this claim st strongly. Like anybody can see Stride is oh, well ahead of any other liquid staking provider. Um, we definitely welcome competition um, and we're happy to have multiple liquid staking providers that might be how it goes but at the moment um there's quicksilver there's some um, p-stake there's some other ones they're kind of having difficulties getting off the ground and so anyway to your point carter it may be that stride is some kind of maybe stride is the one big liquid staking provider and hopefully everybody would have a share of stride governance and it could be some kind of joint public good that everybody owns collectively that's what we are. We're a decentralized autonomous organization, and we want to be stride. I think the stride community wants to be owned, wants to have as many um, stakeholders and constituents as possible. And also to your point about kind of buying into it, um, you don't have to buy into stride because we're giving away so much of our token. We give away airdrops to every, every chain we onboard. We give away so much in, um, in uh, liquidity incentives. Uh, if you want, if, if there were an entity that kind of wanted a share, of Stride governance, all they have to do is take their assets, um, provide liquidity, and you'll find that the, the yield on Stride pools is always, 
always favorable to uh, the staking yield. So anyway. Amazing. I, I'm, uh, I'm really curious to see, as, I, as I've been dubbing the Cosmos DeFi Renaissance kicked off by staking derivatives, I'm very excited to see how that story unfolds with Stride in 2023 in relation to other uh, derivatives, just because it is such a uh, lucrative market. And yeah, competition's healthy. At the end of the day, it's, it's better for users. It diversifies um, um, risk and it, inc- it increases optionality for, for liquidity providers. So I look forward to seeing Stride continue to grow rapidly. And I also look forward to see what other uh, derivative solutions uh, emerge. Yeah, this- so it's been a really fantastic conversation. I've enjoyed it. Um, hopefully everybody else has enjoyed it. And maybe we've got a clip some of those parts of the, of the conversation. And um, yeah, it's really, it's really great sure. that Shade is embracing liquid staking. And I think um, you're really ahead of the curve by doing that. I like ahead of the curve jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that the DeFi renaissance kicked off by, by Shade and Stride. But um, John, as, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to talk about Stride and, and what you guys are doing and, and how we're working together to kind of bring this to the cosmos. Um, but as always, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. Make sure to follow Stride. Make sure to join their Discord. Get involved in their community. As always, please follow uh, us on Twitter, Shade Protocol and Silk Stable. And make sure to join our Discord as well as we have an incentivized testnet ongoing. Um, but hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, this is recorded, so you will be able to listen back to it. And we will be back on our regular scheduled programming uh, into the interchain on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. CT. But uh, otherwise, we will see all of you guys really soon. See you, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Minting Silk with Stride, hosted by Shade Protocol. Recorded on Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view. Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop. Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good. So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch Dope shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastise into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move change the view just a bunch of pecker heads living in a chicken coop picking at the dinner finger licking like the plate is good so kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two show me what that thing could do two plus two Thank you.